Good morning, everyone. It is Friday, September 23rd, 2022. This is the Sipstack on Substack, read by myself, author Ryan Cipriani. Uh, today's article is entitled Writer Review Series Outlines and Plotting. I'm getting back into playing chess lately. Now, I used to play pretty frequently, but as time became short and some of my interests shifted, I walked away from it for a while. This morning, I bring up chess because of its relevance to the article in question. In the chess world, there are typically two kinds of players, positional players and tactical players. Tactical players prefer to see what arises from the organic game and put together combinations that give them a tactical battlefield advantage. Positional players prefer to move their pieces into very specific positions to control board space and make it more difficult for opposing players to move or gain advantage. Panzer-style writers remind me of tactical players. They let the story come to them as they go and shape it based on how, new, how each new situation arises. Plotters are much more like positional players. They tend to have a plan for the manuscript going into it. As a chess player, I tend to be a positional player. And recently, I've become a convert to plotting my manuscripts. This article details some of the benefits of writing as a plotter and what takeaways you might find useful for building an effective outline. Just remember that as in chess, we all plot some and we all pants some. There are no purely tactical or positional players. No one style is correct or better. Do what works for you. The important thing is that you write. So let's get into it. I converted from pantsing to plotting. I may never go back. As a writer who considers creative writing a form of self-expression and art, I constantly make the argument that there is no right way to write. It is basically my whole ethos as a writer. And I often argue that most writers who struggle with their art are simply in their own way. That they need to release whatever controlling thoughts are bouncing around in their head and allow themselves to just write. Organic, unfiltered, pure, raw, creative energy bursting forth from the pen or the keyboard. That's how I wrote my first manuscripts. I didn't think. I just wrote for months at a time. The result? An occasionally misguided and meandering, if well-intentioned, story. I am a recent convert from pantsing-style uh, writing to plotter-style writing. There is an absolutely tremendous benefit to having a roadmap for yourself to follow before you jump into a manuscript. But plotting does not necessarily have to be a set of shackles. Think of it more like bumpers on a bowling lane. It keeps your story out of the gutter and more likely to hit dead center. First, let's talk about, about what plotting accomplishes and how to use it. And we're going to start with plot structure. In the best paced stories, the plot should be broken into three distinct acts, and the second act should be twice as long as the first and third acts combined. I know this seems really wild, but it actually works really well. Recently, I referenced Skylar Date's Whatever Happened to Elisma, Ohio novella, and it is a great illustration of this point. Skylar shared with me that the first act of his novella is just over 7,000 words, the second act was 28,000 and change, and the final act is about 6,500. And its pacing is excellent. Another novella with truly excellent pacing is Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick. Androids demonstrates the usefulness of this structure supremely well. In a very fast-paced opening act, the reader is introduced to the world, the characters, and the conflict in a tightly wound burst. Then the majority of the story is spent on the actual storytelling and the action before things are brought into a gratifyingly swift conclusion. Consider the story you're writing right now. 
You are reading right now, aren't you? Uh, or, sorry, I apologize. Consider the story that you're reading right now. And again, you are reading, aren't you? And I want you to think of it as a 120-minute movie. If 30 minutes in, plot threads are still being developed and the action of the film is still being set up, it would start to drag, wouldn't it? You'd be waiting for the real story to begin and wondering how everything else was going to be neatly wrapped up by the end. Want a good film example? Watch Alien. Time how quickly the opening set piece unfolds and then concludes and the movie moves into its main action. These guidelines are not uh, hard and fast by any means, but they are quite useful at keeping a story moving in a compelling manner. Now that we recognize how a story should be structured and why this impacts the pace so significantly, let's get into what each act should optimally do. Also, this structure is not limited to creative writing. It can be leveraged in professional writing to excellent effect with some tweaks. Act 1 of your story is the introductory phase. This should seem pretty obvious. You want to, as quickly as possible, establish the tone of your story, get your protagonist on the page, and introduce as many of your supporting characters as your story allows. Again, this is not a mandate. If you have someone who shows up as a surprise or adds additional conflict, then they can be saved for later. However, in your opening act, you should be giving your reader as much as you can right out of the gates. The end of the act should uh, include an inciting incident that kicks off the story and introduces the primary conflict, begging your main character to make a choice regarding how their world or life is about to change. Act 2 is where you will spend the majority of your story. This is where the real action of the manuscript will take place. In the first half, half of Act 2, which should be about twice as long as Act 1, is going to include rising tension or conflict that creates stakes for the main character to overcome. You're also going to start showing how your main character reacts to these stakes and what their motivations are. And while you're going to start to show your character growth, remember that your character's initial reactions to the plot should reference back to how they were introduced in Act 1. Their actions and motivations should gradually change with the growing conflict of the plot. Evolution occurs over the course of the story, otherwise it seems unbelievable. Act 2 should conclude with some sort of minor triumph on the part of your cast, or else a reversal or twist that raises the stakes further and heightens the conflict. Now, the second half of Act 2 is where things really start to get wild, from a storytelling standpoint. Your characters have made it through the reversal or twist, so what now? Exactly. What now? What's the fallout from the twist? How have the characters' motivations changed, and what new action do they need to take to react to these new events? This is where conflicts continue to pile up and load down the protagonists. It's important to remember that while this is it sounds rather dire, your version of conflict may be much more lighthearted and not nearly as epic as I'm making it sound here. Just know that as the second half of Act 2 moves along, you need to continue to build the stakes or address the central conflict. A useful tool to bring out late in Act 2 is a disaster. Somehow all of your character's well-laid plans to address the conflict are shattered. This sets up an opportunity for fresh new ideas to seep in and can be an ideal time to grow your protagonist. Force them to evolve to adapt to this disaster. Now, finally, we arrive in Act 3, which is resolution. And at this point, you need to start tying up loose ends and executing on your protagonist's plan to address and overcome the central conflict. Act 3 is where the actual climax occurs, and your protagonist will either overcome the challenge before them or fail. This is actually a narrative choice that you can execute on if it fits your story. The hero doesn't have to win. It is important, though, to address a few more things after the climax. 
you want a bit of falling action where you examine how your characters have changed and close out any uh, remaining plot threads that are still dangling. Inasmuch as you would like to, of course. It's great to set up the next story if you are planning a series, but definitely give your audience as much closure as you can to make the current story feel as complete as possible. It can feel like a lot to keep track of your plotting efforts, especially when you're already trying to keep track of a story in your head. By the way, that's one of the advantages of plotting, less to keep track of in your head. So where do you write all these down, uh, write down all these acts and characters and places and whatnot? There's a couple of great places to go uh, to help with all of this. Evernote's online services has a number of templates for novel plotting and story repositories to keep your characters and world building efforts all straight. These templates really help me in the transition to plotting, and I highly recommend them. Um, I have also been introduced to the Scrivener app recently and some of its incredible features, including split windows that help you quickly recall characters or topics that you mentioned before. Scrivener seems like the ultimate writer's organization tool, and if you can become a power user of it, I imagine it would be an immensely capable resource. Definitely check this out. I'm starting to lean into it more and more. A really interesting creative idea shared with me earlier this week was to utilize Excel for plotting. The writer in question, uh, Richard Lindbergh, uses individual cells to create a timeline for a story, kind of like a storyboard for a movie, but with the events of his plot uh, plotted out by cell. Uh, I thought it was a really compelling idea. I actually want to give this a shot myself. Uh, final note on all this, plotting is a useful tool for writing, certainly, and can create really streamlined, coherent stories. It is not strictly necessary. At all. If you find that your organic, adventuring style of writing works best for you, then do that thing. Do whatever helps you to write most often and most consistently. That's the best way to get your story out. Just write it. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoy listening to the Sipstack podcast or reading the Sipstack newsletter, please consider uh, sharing or subscribing, as they are both free to do. You can find links to both at the bottom of the newsletter and in show notes uh, in today's podcast. Thanks again, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow.